Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Own Personal Beatles with me, Jack Felling. And me, Robin Allender. Hello. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, how are you doing? Not too bad. Um, yeah, it's a slightly miserable day in London, mm. uh, recording this on a, a Sunday night after some pretty alarming thunderstorms. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all good. Yes, it's yeah. been good. Um, we've got a great episode coming up and also Jack and I recorded our first monthly bonus podcast episode for patreon members last week which was a lot of fun we recorded it together with cans with pizza it was great <laughs> yeah i mean there was so much uh you know i was wondering what we were going to talk about after such a long time of uh you know waffling on about the beatles but it was great it was really i think we covered a lot of ground we talked a lot about you know our learnings over the last year mm. um our experiences of doing the podcasts and um you know just growing on our beetle journey a little bit um yeah definitely uh, we we sort of t- talked about the kind of taking apart some of the songs in terms of thinking about the chords the way they might be composed as well and then it got slightly yeah. more kind of blurry towards the end as well as the beers <laughs> hit home. Yeah, and the, the guitars came out as well. Yeah, you have did. been warned. Yeah, um, no, it's good. It's, but, it's a really fun episode, and um, yeah, please head on over to our Patreon to to have a listen. Yeah, you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash personal beetles and uh, yeah, if you join up for that, you not only get your monthly bonus episode, but uh, you'll get ad-free extended versions of all the other podcasts, including this one. Um, so there's yeah, some fun extra chat uh, for this one coming up with Felicity Ward as well, which is well worth uh, in- engaging with. <laughs> <laughs> Engage with our content. Yeah, no, yeah, Felicity Ward was just brilliant. It was such a fun episode. Fair to say we went quite far around the houses Um, And it really ended up being just a long chat about formative experiences with music. And obviously Beatles are a part of that, but we ended up talking about a lot of other musical influences. And we kind of wandered quite far because by the end we were talking about therapy. (laughs) And and we sort of talked about her new show, Wakefield, which sounds really good. And as always, there's a lot of uh, White Album love in there. Um, Yeah, a bit of Abbey Road in there too. And then... Um, yeah, a lot of chat about, chat about sort of like nineties uh, formative records, as yes, you say. Yes, definitely. Bit Weezer. of big, big, big beat, bit of Weezer, uh, yeah. bit of Wilco, Wilco, uh, Urge Overkill as well, which I enjoyed. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, Correction Corner, Correction Corner. I talked about <laughs> okay. um, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. And I said mm-hmm. it does that riff five times. It does it six times, Robin. You know, the... Yes, which, is still which a, I guess is, is, is still weird, but not quite as remarkable. It's not, it's not quite <laughs> as weird, but it's still very irregular. Anyway, it's those six. Yeah. Um, but there we go. 
Yeah, you'll also learn some great Australian slang in this. Yeah, yeah, big definitely. Fan of as well. So if you don't know what a dufter for an ecky is, then uh, <laughs> prepare to be educated. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, yeah, so thanks so much for Felicity for doing that. If you're enjoying the show, then please give us a nice rating on uh, Apple Podcasts if that's where you're, you're listening, because that really helps other people find it. Um, and I know we bollock on about it every week, but it really is helpful. So uh, please do that. We're very appreciative mm. and if you want to you know get in contact with us like if you want to share your personal beetles with us then you can go to personalbeetles.com forward slash contact or you can email me jack at homespunsounds.com and we do read all of the emails we do uh, love them but yeah so um have you got anything for this week yeah well i was just so after we did our recording sesh uh last week which was quite fun in a way because it made me realize we've, we've spent so little time actually hanging out in the same yeah. <laughs> space together we, it's all been done kind of yeah. virtually and um it's quite a weird moment when we sort of met each other and uh, again and we're like oh, so, so what do you do again you know we had to do a lot of background <laughs> chat, you know we talked for about yeah. 36 hours about the beatles but we realized we you know it was quite quite nice that wasn't it yeah, it was really nice. Well overdue. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And hopefully we'll be able to record more of these, like, IRL as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's always a slightly different experience when people definitely. are in the room, as good as the technology is. And all yeah, that. yeah. But um, after we did our recording, we listened to a few records, which was really good fun. And one of the bands I played you is one of my favourite bands, which is The Cleontelle. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of The Cleontelle because... I think it's interesting, if you get into the Beatles in the 80s or 90s, or if you got into the Beatles then, you kind of, do you think it's a kind of default that you become kind of nostalgic? Because you basically become, (laughs) your favourite band is in the past. So nostalgia becomes a big part of being a Beatles fan in some ways. Yeah, and I guess because it's such a high watermark as well, that Mm. you're always, they're always the... um, the great sort of litmus test for everything else you get into. Yeah, and it's not to say, you know, we, we live completely in the past, but you, you do. <laughs> I think it does kind of tend to affect being into something from the past does tend to affect the way you think about these things. And I think it's really interesting mm. because I think um, in terms of musical influence, I think there are certain bands that may be influenced by the Beatles in terms of kind of trying to emulate them let's say but there are other bands which is where the clientele come in where it's like actually what they're trying to do is trying to express more like what that nostalgia feels like i think yeah and i think you know we've talked a lot about boards of canada as well before being mm. big beatles fan i think there's something similar with the clientele so the clientele clientele sound very like it's kind of remembered music from the 60s it's kind of been processed in some kind of weird way like you kind of hearing it on some kind of uh, fuzzy radio or something. And so yeah. we'd, we'd really like to... I, I mean, I would love to have uh, Alistair McLean on from the clientele. But this is an interview yeah, he did. if you're listening. If you're listening, yeah. Um, <laughs> this is an interview he did uh, for Pitchfork about, uh, well, 10 or 11 years ago. And they asked, what was your experience with the Beatles and do they hold a special place for you? And he says, absolutely and probably the place... I remember the period Mm. in the 1980s where the Beatles were terminally uncool and it seemed to me then like they were just my little little secret and the rest of the world didn't know anything about them. I'm kind of nostalgic, keyword, for those days. I think the clientele are one of probably about six million bands who formed to be bigger than the Beatles. That was our plan and you still catch yourself age 34, age 35, thinking maybe the next record will get us to like, please, please me. Maybe at the age of 36 (laughs) I'll be at the place John Lennon was at age 20. As time goes on, you realise that that's a bit more 
of a full-on hope each year. I still love their music so much, but in terms of what they represent, they're baffling and overwhelming as well. And he says, I think what made them special is the way their voices sat together and the way he sings on uh, well, the way John sings on Strawberry Fields Forever. It's a very odd voice in the sense that it seems to be celebrating, but also mourning at the same time. There's a quality of mourning to his voice, which is very enigmatic. I thought that was a lovely mm. quote because yeah, I, I think when you listen to the clientele, you can see that that's kind of what they're channeling is that mm. slight strangeness as well. So I can heartily recommend that band. And if Alistair McLean is listening, then please come on. It'd be great yeah. to chat to you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And that's definitely the kind of answer to uh, a, a sort of very short question that a true Beatles fan would give. Mm. <laughs> so obviously thought about that a yeah, lot. Yeah, <laughs> because basically the prompt for it was basically that, because I think it was 2009, this interview, was that the Rockstar, the game, had just come out. So it was like, there's a lot of Beatles oh, yeah, around yeah. at the moment. It was like, oh, yeah. and then let's go down this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Great stuff. Mm. Um, brilliant. Well, we'll crack on uh, with today's episode with the brilliant Felicity Ward. Um, you can get in touch with us in all of the usual ways by uh, following us on all the social media, etc. at mm. Personal Beatles. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Check out the Patreon. We'll be back at the end of the show. At, well, and all the way through it as well. But <laughs> back. Yeah. In our current it? form. Yeah, in our current form, we'll be back. Our yeah. present day selves will be back. Yeah. But we'll it'll be in the past. Yeah, for the you. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy the show. On this episode of Your Own Personal Beatles, Robin and I are absolutely delighted to be joined by the fantastic comedian Felicity Ward. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I just realised that two out of three of us have um, guitars in the background. Oh, yeah. It's a clean sweep, isn't it? Yeah, I've got one here. Can oh, you, you do it? have one. I yeah. couldn't see the look. Oh, look yeah, at that. Yeah. There you this go. This little thing. Yeah. This one. <laughs> Didn't even know. You, you've got a guitar? few there. Is that, do you I've have a little got, music I've room? I've got quite a few. This is my uh, yeah, yeah, little office plays, slash yeah. uh, studio. Do I play? Just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Any good? Not for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> what guitar have you got there, Felicity? Uh... This is actually my 21st birthday present, um, oh, which oh, was nice. three years ago. And um, <laughs> don't have to laugh that hard. Um, I'm joking. Uh, it's a court. It's, a, it's like a, it's a court semi-acoustic. I don't even mm. know... The thing, you know, I don't know anything more specific than that. I just went into a music shop and I really liked it. And um, mm. I always felt very insecure around guitars. I was in a uh, teenage all-girl grunge band in the 90s. Classic. Nice. Yeah. And I was the singer and a songwriter in the band. And then I started to play guitar because my sister got guitar lessons for a year and she really only did it so she could make out with other guys in bands um, <laughs> or guys in bands, not other guys in bands. <laughs> um, but she taught me three chords. She taught me A, E and G and then and that is literally the lessons that I've and had. And the truth. Three, yeah. And the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. What was the name of the band? We're quite interested in formative band names. The name was, well, it had a series of names first. Uh, I think we had Special Patrol Group, which nice, is the name nice. of the hamster from the young ones. You know how 90s yeah. bands were all about very specific mm. yeah. references that you would only get if you're painfully cool? <laughs> um, not that we were painfully cool. We just wanted other mm. people to, like, get us. It was about being as esoteric as possible with references. Yeah. Um, and then the second name we had was Wunderbar, 
And then <laughs> just because we thought an umlaut was really cool. And then we ended up going <laughs> yeah. with Bastion, who was um, the little boy that reads the story in The NeverEnding Story. Oh, that's ah. nice. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's just a really good band name. <laughs> oh, thanks. <Yeah. laughs> you should, I should have been in a band called it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we always, uh, it seems like um, a lot of people we talk to, this, uh, well, A, the, this genera- generation where grunge was a big thing. Mm. And also we talk to a lot of comedians. Where, mm. So I'm kind of interested in the music comedy crossover. So, did you want to be a musician first and then do comedy, or have you? How how was the two? How do the two relate in your life? I have, I have literally never wanted to be a stand-up comedian until I did my first gig. <laughs> right. Never. Mm. And I was twenty-seven, I think, when I did my first gig. Maybe twenty-eight. I can't remember. I think yeah, I was turning twenty-eight that year. Um, but no, I had. I was really interested in acting and acting is what I always wanted to do. And then Mm. I sort of fell into sketch comedy in my early 20s, mid-20s. And then that sort of went very well. So, you know, after trying since I was seven to be a represented actor and then, you know, within 12 months of doing my first sketch uh, on stage, we had a TV show. So I'm like, okay, so maybe I should lean towards comedy. (laughs) Um, I don't know if... uh, it's definitely a gen- like a generational thing with comedians of my generation. Mm. So people who are in like a similar class to me, um, you know, they, they, you know, I don't mean class as in social class. Yeah. I mean yeah, people yeah. who are sort of within five School, or ten years of yeah, starting yes. yeah. around yeah, yeah. the same time. Um, but that seems to be a really common thread with lots of comics or lots of comics that are my friends anyway. Mm-hmm. And were you playing to sort of, you know, open up the Beatles into it? Was that a formative thing when you started playing guitar? You... No. My first introduction to the Beatles was we had, it was actually John Lennon, and I can't remember if we had Imagine or the best of John Lennon, but we had the tape because my uncle was a huge music fan, so he would buy the vinyl and then he would record it for us and then we would play it in the, you know, our little Datsun. Hmm. Um, and then I remember when I was, I still, I honestly still remember the moment. I must have been seven and like many children I assume of the 80s we put on a lot of painful lip sync shows to our parents in backyards (laughs) it was the it was the tiktok of its day you know it really was it really it was you know tennis rackets galore um for guitars and lots of dire straits and I remember saying I remember finding out the day that John Lennon was in the Beatles. I didn't know. Right, and I, okay, It was like yeah. a real whoa and I was seven <laughs> or something. I'm like, yeah. my whole life's been a sham <laughs> or seven years of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And then the Beatles are like, I've had, I've had a really interesting journey with the Beatles. Um, I haven't. But <laughs> my mum was really into the Beatles. My dad were, was into the Stones and my mum mm-hmm. was into the Beatles. And the album that she played the most and and we had was the White Album, which is like ah. a really cool experimental album to get involved. So I'm I'm just not a Sergeant Pepper's girl. I'm like, oh mm. yeah, cool. But when people are like the greatest albums of all time, I'm like, have you listened to like the White Album or Abbey Road or like there's Sergeant Pepper's is cool. Yeah, but the mm. White Album is is a I think it is a good one for there seem to be a lot of yeah. playful kids songs like Rocky Raccoon. You know, you yeah. can obviously respond to 
a young age. It seems like there's a whole suite about animals. That's the first thing I remember <laughs> noticing about the white yeah, album. Yeah, right. It's like <laughs> blackbird, piggies, Rocky Raccoon all in a row or something, aren't they? Yeah, and, yeah you know, right. But... Yeah, I'd, I'd never noticed that. Yeah. I always imagined Bungalow Bill as an animal as well. Really? Yeah, totally. Yeah, until I listened properly to the... He, I, he was just like a sort of, like, he reminded me of... The sort of counterpart to what was he called? The one in the cartoon with uh, Cyril Sneer. That's oh, basically yeah. how I imagined him. <laughs> yeah, it's a sort of uh, you know arch enemy of Ryan. Yeah, Raku. right. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just. I mean, like that's the that is the upside of having. <laughs> 80 songs on an album or however yeah. I know it's not 80, but, you know when you've got a double album you can really show all spectrums of what your band does and then you've mm. got things like you know Rocky Raccoon but then you've got Martha my dear and then you've got everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey which mm. is maybe my favorite rock song of the Beatles right. yeah that song really still gets me like it's just like it's so hard and the drums and the guitar come in at once and they just punch you they're like fucking listen to me and you're like okay what's happening <laughs> and then Ringo just goes off yeah well it's a, is it a bell isn't it just the bell ringing all the way yeah, through it's, or it's mm. like the inner in the inner part of a symbol i don't know which yeah. one it is And that, yeah, that's a great song. And it's I swear, a great that, song. That's a, that's an interesting choice for sort of fave song. There's another really good, interesting mm. bit in that. Well, interesting, you know, you might need to expand your definition. But <laughs> there's a, you know that kind of breakdown with a diddle 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 diddle. Yeah. It's like it does it five times. It's a really a... W- weird number to do of a riff. You know, they're obviously just fucking about. Let's do, yeah. Do you want to do it's... four or eight? Let's do five. Let's five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of these four to the floor people, okay? Yeah. I'm four to the floor and then, you know, one for luck. <laughs> one for luck, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's great. So, so that was, was that, were you quite young then when you were getting into everybody's I... listening to uh, no, by then, so because we had, a, a, Imagine was in the car, mm. uh, or John, we listened to John Lennon a lot more, and then when we got a CD player, um, so my family were, uh, we weren't poverty-stricken, we weren't like that kind of poor, we were poor, but we didn't know we were poor, that kind of thing, um, but with technology, that was a real marker of of where we were compared, we were behind with lots of things. So I think we got a CD player in maybe 92 or 93, mm-hmm. but mum was like, we're getting a CD player. So she got one of those six stackers. Oh, nice. Oh, mm. Which is such a great idea in theory, except for the 15 minutes between swapping CD cartridges. <laughs> Are you sure we can just get one where you just take oh. it out and put another one in? No, yeah. no. So this is a six stacker. No, this is the future. <laughs> this is and the then future. you can't remember which one is in there. So you've got to, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, let's put on, you know, Aretha Franklin. You're like, oh, cut. That's, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. You've got to wait five hours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I, I sort of got into the White Album when I was 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, look, because I was um, – I really cut myself off from a lot of music that I liked as a teenager because I wanted to be exclusive in mm. what I listened to. I wanted mm-hmm. to be – I was, I was an, you know, an arsehole about the music that I listened to. Yeah. 
Mm. I'm not saying yes as in like oh, sure, yes, Robin. Yes. I felt that. You're like, I get yeah, that seems vibe. Like you were an arsehole. Yeah, yeah. that really comes across now. <laughs> yeah. I massively identify with that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but I think we've talked about this when we had Johnny, our friend Johnny White, was on on the podcast, and we were talking about these weird rules you make for yourself oh. at that age. I must be into this, and I can't like that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, mm. what a shame. Why yeah. would you cut yourself from music that you like? Yeah, because yeah. no one else is like losing from what you do. I, yeah. Like the example that I gave, the other podcast I did was called My Teenage uh, Band, I think. So mm. I've talked mm. about this at length recently, um, but it was uh, Pulp Fiction came out. <laughs> and a girl who was in my group who I really liked but because she had blonde hair and wore short skirts and, like, makeup, um, she was like, is Exit the Dragon um, Urge Overkill's first album? I'm like, okay, we oh, don't no. listen to Urge Overkill anymore. Uh, right. Oh, that, I love that <laughs> album. Uh, what, so she liked Urge Overkill, she so liked, you were like... Yeah, she heard that. She heard Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon from oh, Pulp yeah, Fiction. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which got a lot of people into Urge Overkill. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm out. Burn my... I mean, I've, got, <laughs> I've still got a bottle of fur CD single. <laughs> yeah, I, that's great that you meant. And that's a big album for me and my brother. Exit the Dragon. Is it? Yeah, like and I know. Mm. I have never met anyone who's heard of it. It's basically they had yeah. this. To, to context, they had this huge hit with the uh, cover, the cover song for Pulp Fiction. Girl, Girl you'll be a woman yeah. soon. Yeah. And then they followed it with this really, really overblown, very seventies, quite mm. Beatlesy in places mm. album. Very totally epic. Like I'm sure there was a lot of cocaine going on and stuff yeah. although it's actually quite post post drugs actually isn't it because there's stuff but it's really beautiful there's some amazing songs on it and production is is wild it's great it's really good yeah I, they, mm. I mean they get they, they there was a lot of crossover with the 90s and the 70s you know there, yeah. it's the 20 year throwback that you try to recreate yeah. In, yeah. um and they had long hair and flares and yeah you know those the white um wraparound sunnies yeah there were a couple of like <laughs> absolutely brilliant from that period interviews in NME with them where it seemed like they were such like a cartoon rock rock and roll band Amazing. you know they were so they took the journalists like to you know around LA and stuff it was very very silly I don't but, believe <laughs> I've ever spoken to anyone that's heard of Urge Overkill since really? I was a teenager so yeah, this is a lovely yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because the other thing is over here is that, like, lots of, um, and quite rightly so, lots of British people listen to, you know, we're very into Britpop and we're very mm. into the British scene, whereas in Australia we absolutely, that came over, but we had a lot of access to American music too where yeah. it feels like it didn't travel the same way over here maybe or maybe mm. it did and just the people that I know don't, you know, weren't that into it. But, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the music that I listen to and my Big, big bands of the 90s are all American, like Pavement, Pixies, Weezer, mm, mm. Breeders, Urge Overkill, um, yeah. it, Lemonheads. It just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. So where where do the Beatles sit in the sort of cultural landscape in Australia? Because I don't really... I mean, I'm guessing they're as ubiquitous as they were anywhere else, but were they? Mm. did they have a massive resurgence in the 90s like they did here? Or are they, you know, how how often would you hear them in a car or, an, or on the radio or um, in a restaurant or something? That's a really interesting question. Because um, you, 
there's a point where bands that you know as an adult now were oldie bands when you were young. Mm. But then there is a point of time that you start to appreciate that all music is timeless Mm. if it's good. You know, that it's not like, you know, like when I was when I was a teenager, I'd hear um, Fleetwood Mac and go, it's one of the oldie bands and they'd mm. play them on like the, the gold FM kind of stations. Because yeah. I think that's a bigger thing in like America and Australia. Yes. Than, like we don't really have an oldies. We had like Capital Gold or whatever. But we did, yeah. we, AM yeah. radio wasn't really a thing in the UK. Yeah. We're in well, the I same suppose way Capital Gold there, is probably the same thing. Mm. Yeah. But I don't think, yeah, there wasn't a sort of culture of like listening to oldies really yeah well i I, my experience of oldies was i used to get a lift to school with the design technology teacher uh, (laughs) because he lived near me and he had classic gold on every morning and you know i started the journeys so when in year seven when i was 11 i was obviously very shy and didn't really talk. And he gave me a lift to school every day for five years. <laughs> well, actually seven years. But wow. I, never, I, don't, I don't think I ever really had a conversation with him because I just couldn't get out of that. Too busy listening to the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get out of that awkward. I, feel, I really feel like I need to catch up with him and just say, sorry, I, you gave me a lift for seven years and I, we never spoke. <laughs> like, how are you? But he probably got it. He was like, oh, yeah. okay, this is a kid that is that needs some social encouragement and I'm not the person for that because I teach <laughs> design and technology. Yeah. But uh, Classic Gold was a really good... Uh, you just heard so many songs which were, you wouldn't have heard otherwise because they were sort of the mm. kind of faintly naff songs of mm. the 60s and 70s that maybe didn't have the kind of, you know, classic... Like, they didn't play that much Beatles or Stones, but it was like, mm. you know... Maybe it was a sort of financial thing. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Blackberry Way, The Move and... Uh, the turtles, e- yeah, the t- yeah, yeah, easy yeah. beats, mm. stuff like that. Yes, and... easy beats. You're yeah. speaking my language there, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing in a little Australian band. Yeah, well, yeah. that's. I mean, that's one of my favorite ever songs. Friday on. Oh, uh, unbelievable! Is it Friday on my mind. Is Friday on my yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. My mum was a huge Easy Beats fan. It's got about five choruses. It's ridiculous. It's, it just keeps uh, going it, up and up and up. It's amazing. Yeah, it's an extraordinary piece of music. I suppose mm. that's what mum really had. Mum really had a passion for 60s music. Mm. And I worked um, in a kitchen when I was uh, 16 or 17 washing dishes. Mm-hmm. And they used to have this show at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night called Rock Around the Clock. And all they would do is play 50s and 60s music. So I sort of had this weird regular introduction to music that I wouldn't have heard otherwise and um what's his name glenn the linesman the wichita yeah glenn Campbell. so we you know i was like 17 singing glenn campbell (laughs) washing dishes which is very uncool well i think that sounds really cool i mean maybe that's (laughs) from our our present day perspective you know but yeah yeah but as far as the beatles having a i i suppose i just think of one, it's quite difficult for me because I've lived in the UK for eight years now and I was talking to um, another comic who's Canadian and there are some things, it's like it's like the worlds have blurred now and there are some things that I'm like, I think that's what we use, the same, we use the same word in Australia for. Hmm. And then I'll hear another word and go, oh, God, no, we say that. So, <laughs> you know, my... my I, I, 
I've sort of had British culture or or living here for eight years. That's the longest I've lived in any city apart from where I was born, mm. which was not a city. Um, <laughs> it, it had fifteen hundred people. Uh, but the, so I suppose if I think about it from where I grew up, which is a, a place on the central coast, which is like an hour and a half north of Sydney. Um, Beatles would have been played at parties. Um, mm. There would have been Beatles on the radio. Um, it, I just, I, I sort of think of the Beatles as all-encompassing and forever, mm. if you know yeah. what I mean. And I, I don't know if it's, it's, the, it's obviously the same here because they're British and they change mm. music forever. Um, and I think that when you're from a country, there is a, an extra level of patriotic enthusiasm or pride. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, mm. but they were just always kind of in the ether, as it were, for you. Yeah, they're just always well. around. And actually, mm. I think I was about 17 or 18 and I had a girlfriend who went to a different um, high school. We caught the bus together mm-hmm. and she was into the Beatles and I was like, ah, oh. I felt like I should be into the Beatles, but I also I had this weird thing and I still have it with things. I don't want to listen to something in case I don't like it. I'd rather mm. just go, oh, it's probably not for me. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I kind of know. I've got mean. a lot of those things that I've been saving up to get into in sort of later life because I just, yeah, yeah I, I have that thing of being, they're, either they're slightly intimidating or this people, you know, I have it a bit with Pink Floyd, mm. I have it a bit with Nick Cave actually, mm. where I've just that been too sense. sort of overwhelmed by how much I'm going to like, I'm going to seriously like this when I get into it and I want to be ready for... With um, Can, where it's like so many people talk about Can and I love lots of music from that era. I love Noi and... But I've tried with Can and it's like, I'm sure I'll get it one day. I don't know know, what Can is. A German band from the (laughs) 70s and 80s, kind of very very experimental, very like groove-based. Sure. I just... Very cool to like. Yeah, cool to like, let's say. But I just... Am I not cool? I just don't know. I just, it's never clicked for me. I don't know why. It's oh, but that's, at least you've tried it. I've tried. You know? I've tried. I, but, like, I would hear, I suppose, when even when I was in my 20s and I remember I think Joe Strummer died maybe in my 20s. Right, yeah. And people were talking about him and I'm like, oh, I, I feel like I should know more about Joe, Joe Strummer or Nina Simone. And then, you know, like mm. I watched a documentary on Nina Simone about five years ago. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Mm. Why mm. wasn't I into her earlier? She's so yeah. important. She's so interesting, mm. so troubled, so problematic, but so passionate, so talented. What a complicated life. Yeah. It takes someone dying sometimes. <laughs> Sadly, it does. To be like, oh, yeah. I think a lot of people have found that with sort of Prince and people. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of knew the hits and then were like, oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah. it's interesting, though, because I think there's an interview with Johnny Greenwood where he was talking about how now... You know, he when he was growing up, if you wanted to be into Miles Davis, it was quite a task, maybe. Yeah. You know, you'd have to go through a mm. lot of albums. But now, like, you can just get everything at a click. And so yeah. being into it is a kind of... It has a very different meaning now, I suppose. There's also not the financial investment, you know. No. Like it, it used to be that if you're a teenager and you wanted to buy an album, whether yeah. it be a vinyl or a CD or a tape, whichever era you're from... It was like a lot of money to spend. Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of risk that, you know, like Weezer, for example, I bought yeah. a, like Blue Album obviously is in everyone's top ten perfect indie pop albums. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Pinkerton, 
like a Great lot of flack for it at the time. Now My it's favorite. the one-two punch, mate. Yeah. And yeah. I remember going into a store when I think, I don't know if Maladroit or Green came out next, but I put on some headphones at the record store and I listened to a couple of songs. I'm like, I'm not into this. Mm. So I, I didn't buy it because it wasn't me like, because it was like that was a lot of money. Yeah, that was um. Do do you do you know that website, The Hard Times, which is kind of satirical? Yes, they did what they do one about the Weezer box set it. is just just the blue album again. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> times. Yeah, it's just quite funny. Oh, but, it's yeah. so funny. They were a band that I was for some reason ashamed to uh, publicly like as much as I did. Yeah, same, same. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. at, at that time I'm I was fascinated. into like quite serious experimental hip hop and I was you know with a group of bigger boys who yeah, were like sure. really into this. Yeah, of... I'm sure I've said this before, but I, I hid the blue album behind all my CDs at uni. Oh was, wow. Oh, yeah, that's weird. They're it? like my heart. Like <laughs> yeah. they I love they were... it now, like unembarrassingly. Oh, that's so incredible. I've never heard anyone say that they're embarrassed about that. Mm. But at the same time, I remember having the opposite thing that I sort of thought I had to not like hip-hop um, because that's what Westies listen to, which is, you know, probably has racist undertones. So people from Western suburbs listen to hip-hop mm. and they dressed a certain way and, you know, we were surfies. So mm. I was. you're allowed to have a grunge surfy crossover. You can have... A grunge skater crossover. You can have a skate punk, surf punk. They all they all <laughs> sort of occupy some similar area on a Venn diagram. But yeah. like hip hop, trip hop, and that was massive in the UK. Mm. Um, I it just didn't click with me. And I think that there was a, a something with dissonant music, like the bands that used dissonant chords and that used minor keys. I I felt nervous. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know, I listened yeah. to Pavement. I listened to Weezer. I listened to the Lemonheads. They're like A G A G C C C C. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's a, that's a really interesting point going back to the, what you said when you're getting into music, the, the expense of it. Because I, I vividly remember that because I was thinking since we started the podcast, like, 
why, if I was so into the Beatles uh, as a at school and as a teenager, did I not get all the solo albums? And it was because I was worried they might be crap and yeah. I didn't have money for it. Like, I didn't want to spend money on something that might be complete crap, you know? Yeah. And, like, you know, there was so much to dig. It's weird. I, I just, you know, it was just every album was such a conscious investment yeah of, yeah you know. and that that was, i think i've said it before but one of the reasons why the white album is the last one i got into is because it was so expensive yeah, yeah. <laughs> and still is to this day like yeah. a double yeah. vinyl is probably 50 quid back in the day or something 60 quid i actually yeah. don't know what vinyl is over here but uh well still it's you know still a lot now, i mean still. it's because yeah. i mean it should be right that a double album is twice the price of an album but mm. in my head i wasn't having that I was like, if they can make now 1994, which is four discs, cheaper <laughs> yeah. than the White Album. I just didn't really understand the well, I, was, I was reading the other day, you know, the, the Red Album, that could have all fitted on one CD because the songs were so short. But they, oh, know, really? But yeah. they made it sort of more epic. Well, they made, yeah, it kind of had to be a double, because the blue one was a double. Yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, you persevered a lot with records that because you were like, fucking hell, I've spent 13 quid on this. I've got to mm. like it. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be something, something in here that I can redeem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then some of those records are ended. I remember being really excited to get um, "Blue Lines" by Massive mm. Tag because I'd read sure? so many good uh, reviews. But I, I got it home and I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But from now, it's you know, Masterpiece one of my favourite albums ever. But yeah. it was it was a bit too mu- new and much for me. But yeah. yeah but, uh, now, if I'd flipped through it on Spotify, I'd be like, nah. <laughs> well, I, I remember buying um, Pink Floyd, uh, Dark Side mm. of the Moon, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I was early 20s, and I was like, I'm going to put this on. I'm going to lie down on my lounge room floor. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm just going to have this experience. And I got to the end, and I'm like, well, I'm never listening to that again. <laughs> I did my best, and that is yeah. not for me. I think uh, yeah. money's on that album, though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Money yeah. is a, a great track. It's a great track. I should have put Wisdom Oz mm. on at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've never I, I've never got into Pink Floyd. I think that I mean just not for me. It just doesn't Yeah, I think that might be it. It's and sometimes... you know what? That's absolutely oh, yeah. fine. <laughs> I think it's yeah. interesting because Pink Floyd are obviously huge Beatles fans. And I mm. think you know, we've had this chat before about what would have happened to the Beatles if they continued uh, in the 70s, maybe if Brian Epstein hadn't died or whatever. And, mm. and I think they would have got... They would have turned into a bit of a Pink Floyd yeah. genesis, wouldn't they? They would have got quite overblown. Because you can hear yeah, the seeds yeah. of that in Abbey Road, can't you? Yeah, yeah. And mm. sliding guitars and sitars and, mm. you know, it was, it, was on, it was on the horizon. They were about yeah, to... Yeah, it was. They were about to... Split yeah. up and come back together. <laughs> yeah. But maybe they would have made, you know, 80s production stuff a bit more palatable or, Possibly. you know, yeah. found I mean, a way to play the fretless bass that without giving Robin a bad... Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wings happened. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I listened and bought the albums. So I, I went through a period. I got into, like, big beat and dance music in the late 90s, mm. as didn't we, all we all did. Didn't we because all? that's yeah. when big beat was created. Yeah. Um that's actually that's actually the era of music that I can go. Oh yeah, no, I only liked British music. I can't even think mm. of an American big beat. Um, yeah, mm. I just it just it hit me right, and I don't yeah. know why. Because I was, as I said, I was really into like warm indie pop rock. Yeah, um, so we're talking kind of Chemical Brothers and Chemical stuff like Brothers, that. Propeller yeah. Heads, Wise Guys, yeah. 
basement jacks, like yeah. Bentley Rhythm Ace. Faithless. Yeah. Faithless, yeah. like, like just what? It was a hell of a scene. Yeah. Oh, what a yeah. couple of years, mate. Absolute yeah. blinder from the UK there. <laughs> well, Chemical Brothers, yeah. is a, there's a huge Beatles crossover, isn't there, with the Chemical Brothers? Yeah, the what is it, Tomorrow? Sun. Yeah, is it Tomorrow Never? Setting Sun has got the kind of Tomorrow Never Knows beat. Uh, and, yeah. Um, well, yeah, just unlike Dig Your Own Hole, Hole is a very psychedelic kind of... Mm. It's really mm. good, Dig Your Own Hole. It's great. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like a classic album. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so I got into that, and then I started going out with someone who was a who was older than me and was into raves in the beginning of the nineties. So mm. he listened to dance music. So then I started listening to dance music, and then we would go to what was then called I don't know if they were called them here uh, dance parties. Um, so if you, it, it would just be like a a home rave was right. called a dance party mm. yeah. or they'd be like warehouse dance parties. Okay. Um, with, with a few class A's floating around. A I few. Mean. A few. Yeah. <laughs> um, and because we lived in like semi, we lived regional. So there was some like, like, so we have something in Australia called a bush doof. So a, a, <laughs> you're a just do- making these up. <laughs> yeah. So a doof, a doof is a bush rave. So you right. just Bushed go off. to the boof, at uh, the boof. <laughs> you go to the bush, and yeah. mm. people would just drop a shitload <laughs> of eckies, as we called them. Our our slang names were eckies um, mm-hmm. for ecstasy, pills, obviously, mm. chemies, as in chemicals. You on the chemies? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I think that was sometimes called Easter eggs, which was like code word, but that was like early 90s rave scene. Right. Yeah, when um, your parents are around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of Easter eggs tonight. <laughs> it's, God, it's so embarrassing, yeah. isn't it? It's June. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the reason that I brought up the dance scene was because I didn't buy any albums or regular music for like four four years, three mm. years, yeah. and I felt really scared about it. I was like, I don't know how to reapproach this. I don't mm. know how to walk into a record store again. I don't know how to start again. And um, then my sister said something that was one of the most liberating things I'd ever heard. So I was about 23 and she said that she'd bought – I want to say Phil Collins, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, which album did you get? And she goes, oh, I bought a Greatest Hits album. She's like, I'm not afraid to buy a Greatest Hits album. I was like, it blew my mind. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. she's not afraid. She's just buying what she likes. Yeah. And so then I, I made a new rule for myself that if I heard a song on the radio, because I was working at a restaurant and I was making really good money because you get paid in Australia um, <laughs> and our tips, we get tips as well mm. um, in some places, but our minimum wage is really good. Mm. And I was working at a big restaurant in a, a big tourist part of town. And so I thought if I heard a song on the radio that I liked, then I had to go and buy the album because I was mm. like even it's the same with travel. Even when you have a bad trip somewhere, no pun intended, um, <laughs> you never regret travel. And with music, yeah. you might go, oh, that's a shit album, but you still heard the whole album. You still have an educated opinion about it. So mm. it's not like I, I, I just had to think like there's, there's no bad investment in music. Mm. And so that's what I did for years, for like a decade, I suppose. I'd hear it. I remember the first time I implemented that and I heard – um, Taper Jean Girl by Kings of Leon mm-hmm. and that was on their Aha Shake Heartbreak album, mm-hmm. which arguably mm-hmm. is their best. 
Um, and I heard that album, uh, heard that song. I'm like, right, we're buying that. And then I heard <laughs> Maps by the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. So I went Great and song. bought tunes, yeah. uh, Show Your Bones. Fever to I Tell? Is yeah, Fever, I bought yeah. Fever to Tell and I bought Show Your Bones just for good yeah. measure. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. like, you made some good choices, mate. We sort of left you when you were younger with the, the Beatles albums in the six stack CD yes. player. So how were the Beatles impacting you when you were at this stage of your of your life, when you were buying all these records? Oh, at that stage. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think we. I'm, this is what I'm saying. You cannot do a short podcast with me because every story <laughs> I've ever thought yeah. is like, what about this one? What about this one? Yeah. I was telling you about my friend on the bus who right, went yeah. to a different yes. school. Yeah, she yeah. was Sorry, really into yeah. the Beatles and she would talk about it. And I said, oh, I only really know the Wired album. She's like, oh, you should get into this album, this album. And I was, I don't know why I was reluctant. She was very well versed in the Beatles. Mm. Um, I liked Please Please Me. That wasn't my style, but I, I mm. liked the album. But that was like, that was old folks music to me. Whereas mm. the White album wasn't old folks music to me. It was, it was still kind of futuristic rock. Um, mm. And then when I got into the habit of like buying albums regularly, I'd go into, they'd have, you know, $10 sales and stuff like that. And that's when I started buying Beatles albums. So I bought Rubber Soul, I bought Revolver, um, I bought Magical Mystery Tour. And then I think Abbey Road was probably the last one that I bought. And that was years years ago again um, and... When I listened to Abbey Road, it happened I was working with these guys. Um, this One of them is still my manager, my best friend, and I was a tour manager and it was like 2007 or something and they would mm-hmm. they would always talk about Let It Be and Abbey Road and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> then I listened to Abbey Road and I'm like, holy shit, this album yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Like Golden Slumbers is just, oh, it's you know, when Paul gets his growl on, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty it's pretty infectious, <laughs> and it's yeah. um, it just gets to your soul. And then you've got like, yeah, is is there a, a, a track on there that you don't go, oh, but what about, but what mm. about? And it's an album, and it's you know like ten songs or something, and it it's almost like a a reduced version, a concentrated version of. Uh, the White Album, in that you've got Octopus's Garden. Mm-hmm. I think that's a Ringo song, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You're like, oh, good on you. It's funny how they wrote these. Actually, we all knew Octopus's Garden as a kid. We used to get it taught to us at school, but we had no idea it was a Beatles song. Right, yeah. It was like yeah, a fun yeah. song that you'd sing at assembly. Mm. I'd like to be, you know, all the yeah. six-year-old little kids going, octopuses, God. <laughs> it's a really fun Felicity song. Felicity is doing an excellent impression of an octopus. As we uh, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Even when it's radio, it's got to be a show. Yeah. But Abbey Road at that age is, is, I mean, you know, we're talking about being into the grungy, rocky stuff. But, uh, you know, I, the great thing about getting into Beatles albums at that age was like, oh, my God, this is really properly rocking as well. It's not like your parents' mu- music and stuff. I remember that from, yeah. you know, I Want You, She's So Heavy. It's like, oh, my God, this is heavy shit, as Paul said. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. really yeah. sexy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I suppose by that stage I was in my mid-20s, so I wasn't 
it wasn't like my grunge years. I'd gone right, right. through my grunge. I'd gone through Big Beat. I'd gone through my <laughs> Phil Collins Greatest Hits albums. <laughs> hashtag No Regrets. And then I started to listen to, I, I suppose I, I was on the road with these guys for so long that I just started listening to whatever they were talking about as well, just like, okay, well, I wanted to be able to talk about Wilco too. Consequently, <laughs> I got into Wilco. Nice. Um, yeah, Wilco are great, really great. <laughs> and I've got a friend of mine who opened for Jeff Tweedy in America. And oh, I'm like, cool. Like only in the last couple of years I was like, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Tweedy's yeah. just brought out a book about how to write a song, hasn't he, which is, sounds really interesting because, I mean... Unless it says, make sure you're in a lot of pain, divorce your wife, (laughs) nearly have your best album not made, then (laughs) what are you going to tell me, Jeff? What are you going to tell me? Let's get it back to the Beatles. What do you think of the? Because I've been. Do you, do you, are you a fan of the films at all? Do you know the films? I don't know the films. They're oh, okay. something where I'm like, this. I don't just. I genuinely don't think they're going to be for me. Yeah, sure. Mm. Well, I mean, the thing is with the films is like you know, Hard Day's Night is great, undeniably a great film. Help yeah. less so, and like. <laughs> The thing with, because I've been re-watching Help in 15-minute chunks, but the thing that I really notice is Paul is so funny. He Paul is, he? is brilliant yeah. in it, I think, yeah. He's really funny. He's really, like, physical and just quite subtle as well. There's a brilliant bit where he's in the... Have you seen it recently, Jack? Um, no, it's one that I haven't revisited because of the sort of slightly icky... Yeah, like, it's kind of it's quite um, problematic. And there yeah. is like basically, it's like having a bad dream because it's just one plot, which is these people need <laughs> to get the ring off Ringo, and it's just that reiterated like about a hundred times. It's like how many times can they try and get a ring back? I remember watching it when I was about seven or eight and thinking I'm a bit above this. But <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, that's a lovely bit where Paul's in a they're they're in an Indian restaurant and Paul is just trying to chat to the sort of dancer there, and he's just trying to motion to them that he's sort of trying to you know flirt with this girl and it's so like pathetic and it's really <laughs> he's really he's like going, like this kind of pointing at her it's really funny. it really made me laugh because he's 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 very very funny paul i think he, he can was be so very handsome funny. too yeah yeah he was so yeah. handsome he still is he you still know is. For, for an 120 yeah. year old he's a bad <laughs> <laughs> have you heard the um mick jagger and dave grohl song felicity dropped no. yesterday no Brace yourself for it. But, yeah, Brace um... myself with good feelings. Open my <laughs> yeah, heart or bend it's my amazing. knees. Yeah, okay. it's, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Amazing in the sort of the purest definition. Sure, I actually <laughs> quite liked it. It's just a bit of fun. Uh, D- Dave Grohl can kind of do no wrong in my <laughs> eyes. I love that man. He, yeah. I don't know if you've seen. There's videos like his daughter. He gets his daughter Violet to come out on tour and sing, and he just uh, yeah. sits there playing the song and like. Love is just 
oozing out. He can't believe he's so lucky to have this daughter that wants to sing with him. He doesn't mm. care about the 120,000 people that are singing all the lyrics to his song because he's been around for 35 years. <laughs> yeah. mm. But he's watching, yeah. like, music be passed on generationally and that he can share that and that his fucking cool 15-year-old daughter even wants to be seen with him, let alone sing mm. to him. So I'm like, yeah. and that after the Sound City documentary, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, Fuck, that was I, great. it's a mm. great. I, I love a music mm. doco. I love a yeah. music doco. Um, doco mm. is what we call documentaries, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case. A doof doof doco. A doof doof doco. Yeah. yeah. A doof doof. Yeah. 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 A doof Jamaica. He's got a lot of. Um, I think it's the same people that hate Dave Grohl tend to be the sort of same people that hate Paul. In that, yeah. For some reason, to be an artist, you have to be a complete twat to everyone, and that people are suspicious of yeah. just genuinely nice. And mm, you can't be people. available, you know, like Paul is always available to do whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah. the same with, um, I don't know if you saw the YouTube drama, she's like an 11-year-old British drummer and she, mm. oh, yeah. she, she like yeah. challenged people and then she challenged Dave Grohl and Dave Grohl's like, yeah, I'll do that. I've got <laughs> yeah. a lot of time for that. Dave yeah. Grohl, he's done his time. He was in one of the most influential rock groups of all time. Then he was in an extraordinarily successful and still is an an extraordinarily successful rock band. He's also in Queens of the Stone Age, which is very reputable. Mm -hmm. Um, Like what else do you want from this guy? He's funny. (laughs) He's charming. He loves his daughter. He sings. Mm. He turns up and he sings his songs for you and he wants you to be there. He's He's just a dad. Like, and he's a shit hot drummer. He's as well, a shit which hot drummer. Kind of overlooked. You know, you're going to bag Ringo out. <laughs> he's a huge fan of Ringo. He's always yeah. going on about Ringo, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. What's not to like about Dave Grohl? What's your beef with the DG? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have a beef with the DG. Uh, I, I, I think just that find was a rhetorical question to the yeah, world. Sorry, yeah, Ryan, that wasn't yeah, a point. Yeah, I was going yeah. to. I was going to. <laughs> but you do sound like you've that, got but... like a whiff of beef. A pastrami, maybe. I, yeah, I think. Sure. <laughs> I think he's. I mean, I obviously love his drumming, and I like. I just find some of the Foo Fighters stuff quite a bit bland. Sorry. Yeah, but that's, that's his okay. wings, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Except it was, you know, success, very, very successful for a long time. Like, yeah, yeah. First album's great. First album's yeah. great. Yeah. Is that yeah. cut, gun or colour in the shape? It's the one, the eponymous one, yeah. The, oh, yeah, right. The one with, with the, the gun, before, yeah. Well, he was still playing everything. When the yeah. sort of, the guy that looks like Jesus before he turned up. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, that was actually... Um, the first song that I used to sing to my son when he was born. So he's nearly 18 months old now. And I got a, I got a job in Australia when he was eight weeks old and we went out and took it. That was a mistake. Um, <laughs> the job is fantastic. Like the show is great. It's just come out. But um, we, I used to ha- want to sing a song and I, I could, I got, my husband got me uh, like an, an Alexa and the mm. Amazon speaker um, when I was pregnant, he said, so, you know, when you come in here at night and you've got the baby in your hands, you can just turn on the lights with your voice and you can turn on the music and, you, you know, if, when your hands are full, it's really considerate. But it's a lot of pressure for someone that grew up with CDs and tapes to think of music yeah. off the top of their head. 
Yeah. So the only song I could think of was Big Me by the Foo Fighters that oh, I knew a lot of the song. words. So yeah. Frankie and I used to sing that. And that was the film clip, uh, sorry, the music video. We call them film clips in Australia. <laughs> Old habits die hard. Um, the music video was set in Sydney at um, a, an iconic music venue called the Metro where they're, mm. uh, they're doing a, a Mentos rip-off ad. Right, yeah, I remember. So there was this, a Mentos yeah. ad, and they did a rip off of it, and it was they filmed it in Sydney. So yeah, I mm. used to sing that all the time to Frankie when he was little. Nice. It, it, do you know what? I, I was just looking at the Abbey Road track list now, and I'm thinking, I'm surprised it gets as much credit as it does because it's actually a very feminine album. Like there's a lot of very gentle, loving yeah. uh, or like really, really intimate songs on there, whereas, mm. you know, people that usually call themselves Beatles fans, they're like, yeah, we like The Rock. What's your favourite mm. album? Abbey Road. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> tender beneath all that. It's yeah. really tender, <laughs> you know, is, yeah. and even Come Together is like, again, that's one of the slow and sexy. It's a very sexy album, as we've spoken about mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think that that's interesting, that that's so highly mm. regarded and yet it's so effeminate. Yeah. We've had a sort of um, conversation on Twitter where everyone were talking about their favourite Beatles albums in order, one of these things that happens on a slow news day. Um, <laughs> well, Prince Philip just died. So yeah, it wasn't <laughs> a very slow day. I think people wanted something else to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't see many. I would expect Abbey Road would top quite a lot of people, but... What do you think, I suppose, Revolver is the, the big one for most people? I think Sergeant Pepper's. When yeah. pe- they when, mm. when people, like, when they're like, oh, yeah, you can't go past Sergeant Pepper's, you've got to show, p- I think Dave Grohl, actually, I saw an interview with him. <laughs> <Just keeps going>. <laughs> <laughs> Your own personal I'm Dave Grohl. I'm not even, like, a big, like, I don't listen to them a lot. I Honestly, I don't listen to Food Fighters except for Big Me. I'm just, whenever I see Dave Grohl, I'm like, yeah, I'll click that video. He's a nice guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this lockdown's really been about Dave Grohl. Um, but I think the the journalist said uh, if you were going to show someone who'd ne- or an alien who'd never heard of rock music before, what would be the three albums that you would show them? And he was mm. like, well, Sgt Pepper's. And I was like, oh, yeah, I always forget about Sgt Pepper's. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. What is it about it that makes you sort of overlook it a bit? Well, I think I think Sergeant Pepper is one that I've only gone back. To. It's it's because it's it, you know occupies such a big place in the the canon of all music that it's it's like mm. listening to it feels a bit like listening to Beethoven's Fifth. Or, you know, it's just why would I listen to something? I mean, that's so quite famous. good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like you know, but it's it's so well known. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I since doing mean, the yeah. podcast. I've gone back to it so much, and particularly the remasters. And yeah, I just I find it like unbelievably moving now. I've, we had a barbecue mm. the other day, and um, I've, I've put Sergeant Pepper on, and I had to just stop the conversation and was just listening. Like people <laughs> asking me questions, I was like, no, I just want to listen to I this don't... bit. Yeah, no, no, no yeah. Sh- Hang on, yeah. just for the next yeah. ten seconds, there's a yeah. there's a synth coming in here that's going to break yeah. your heart. Yeah. Just looking at the track listing, like I, I've remembered that um, again. I didn't. I, I knew the Joe Cocker version of "Help from My Friends" earlier mm-hmm. than I did the the original writers, 
Um, and it must have been because I think there was an there was a TV show called like Grace Under Fire or something, and the mm-hmm. Joe Cocker version was the theme song. So I knew that and mum was a big Joe Cocker fan and, you know, the classic 80s best of albums we had, Mm -hmm. Joe Cocker, Van Morrison, Cat Stevens, Mm. trying Mm. to think if there's any other essentials. Simon Garfungles. I was trying to think about that. Well, Mm. I don't know how much we, but those three were ubiquitous in the Australian Mm. um, discography. Yeah. Of, of, yeah. of your car, of the the tapes in your car, um, yeah, yeah. But I knew Joe Cocker way better than I did the Beatles. But yeah. it's like when I'm 64, is that's your octopus's garden? It's like, yeah, okay. And I don't know why Lucy's in the sky with diamonds. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think we were chatting to someone recently and they said it might be their favourite Beatles song. Which okay, I don't, that's... I, which I don't take them out I, to pasture. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's such a kind of... Uh, I think we, again, might have said this before where Lucy in the Sky feels like such a kind of two-on-the-nose depiction mm. of that psychedelic experience. Yeah. Now, it's all, it's now yeah, it's this kind of almost... Yeah. It's like they would use it in The Simpsons for a montage, you know, yeah. psychedelic <laughs> montage or something. But it's, yeah, I don't know, it's still it's still magic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, it's just not my album. It's not my album. Yeah. I'm yeah, not sure. saying it's a bad album. I'm saying yeah. it's not for me. I, I was finding I, I didn't realise until relatively recently that James Joyce is on the cover of Sgt. Pepper, but mm. he's oh. very, very hidden. He's just under Bob yeah. Dylan and you can only see a bit of his forehead. And <laughs> I thought that was interesting because Lennon's I think Lennon often said in a couple of places he loved Joyce or when he read Joyce he said he'd found God, but it's very debatable or found Dad, I think, something like that. Oh really? Uh, but it's very debatable whether he'd actually read Ulysses and stuff. But uh I, I, read, I read a really very much of a reaching comment somewhere that Good Morning was meant to be a bit of a Ulysses because it's about a man waking up in the morning and going for a walk. I mean, come on. It's a journey, <laughs> It's an yeah. odyssey. It is an yeah. odyssey. It is an odyssey, yeah. What do you know about walks? Oh, hang on. We've been in lockdown for a year. We know all <laughs> yeah, about walks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have um, a controversial Beatles opinion? We ask all our guests if there's a kind of Beatle take you have that you kind of say. Do you is Wild Honey Pie your favourite Beatles song or something like that? You know? it, um, <laughs> I don't care for Hey Jude, mostly because I've spent too much time in karaoke bars. Yeah. So yeah, I just when I hear it, I'm like, oh god, this someone's mm. going to join in. Oh shit! Can yeah. I tell? This is not. A, this has got almost nothing to do with it, except that there's loosely related to John Lennon. Um, mm-hmm. But this is one of my favourite being around British people moments, and it was 2007, and I was in Barcelona. I, I wasn't living here by then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on like a real find yourself, Saturn returns, 27, just left my fiance, stop drinking, <laughs> travelling the world, that kind of thing. Yeah, and um, I was at the Park Guell and um, there were it was it must have been 32 33 degrees and at the time 33 degrees was very hot for the UK now of course we see mm. at least one of those per year mm. yeah um, so there's all these really <laughs> red lobster swollen British mm. British <laughs> tourists 
and yeah. they were they were pressed up against the pylons of this shaded area, and there was a guitarist there, a busker, and he was playing um, Imagine, mm-hmm. and they all seemed like they were almost dead. Like everyone's walking around except for all these really red, burnt British people. You knew yeah. they were British. And then it got to the bit, um, imagine all the people living life today. And all of these people just got animated. Like all of the Brits just raised their head and in unison about 20 of them went, Put their head back down. That was 14 years ago and it is one of my favourite memories of anything that's that's ever happened to me. It's pretty impossible not to do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember once uh, overhearing someone singing uh, Heroes by David Bowie Mm. uh, and the... They were, it was someone in a dressing room somewhere sort of slightly showing off that they could had had quite a good voice. Mm. And they started with, I, I wish I could fly like dolphins. Uh, and he sort of realised then. <laughs> <laughs> dolphins yeah. can fly. Yeah. Can, hang on, no, they can't fly. Hang on. No, yeah. Oh, that's I, uh, so great. <laughs> I was gonna, uh, before you go, I was going to ask you about the, the, the show Wakefield. So can you tell us oh, about yeah. that? We can give it a bit of a plug maybe. I, mean, I don't yes. know if it's going to be on in the UK. but I don't know either. Because COVID but, stopped everything, um, yeah. I'm sure there will be ways that you can watch it that are definitely not legal, which I keep saying. <laughs> I should stop plugging it um, <laughs> that way. But, uh, look, it's uh, that's the show that I went out for last year to film when I had a very young baby. Um, it is an eight-part psychological thriller, mystery, mm-hmm. slash very dark comedy, slash musical. Wow. Wow. Um, it's, it, it sounds it's, kind of Twin Peaksy, or is it? Yeah. Only, it's, yeah, um, cool. it's, uh, it's one of, it's the best show I've ever been involved in. It's cool. one of the best dramas I've seen in years. I, I don't know if it's because it was so hard at the time that we, comp, you know, we gave up so much to be a part of the show and then mm. production got shut down because of COVID. And then I had to fly back out four months later and leave my family to finish filming. I don't know what it is, but uh, I don't know if it, that has influenced it, but it's um, it got released on our version of iPlayer last mm-hmm. week, I think it was, the Easter weekend, and it was like number one watched show on wow. iView over the weekend and um, it got like five stars in The Guardian and it starts oh, on great. TV this week. So it's the first time ever that they've... They've put the entire series on the streaming platform first. Right. Yeah. And, but the TV show will also air week to week as of this Sunday. So, yeah. And um, what channel is that for our lovely Australian listeners? That's for our Australian <laughs> listeners, possibly New Zealand listeners. Um, yeah, it's an eight-part, they're one-hour episodes and it's set in a psychiatric hospital Hospital, and it's um, focused around... Uh, the, one of the nurses there called Nick, who's played by a, a British actor called Rudy Darmalingan, um, doing a very convincing Australian accent, uh, right. which has been noted many times by many people because <laughs> it's a very different, a difficult accent to do. Yeah. So, um, no, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, and so, what's the musical element then? Are you singing in it, or are you? No, there's just uh, it's sort of um, it is two demonstrate 
uh, Nick sort of slowly losing his mind and the blur between fantasy and reality. Mm. Um, I think there's probably three musical outbreaks like mm-hmm. with dance sequences, but then there's also tap dancing throughout the whole thing. It's tap dancing is sort of a motif from the first episode mm-hmm. and that, you know, you sort of, it becomes clear why. Nothing is in there accidentally. Mm. Um, that sounds great. sounds amazing. I can't yeah, wait to see I, it. I, look, I, it's very un-British, but I think it's amazing. I really yeah. think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I bawled my eyes out when it was finished and wow. I think it's a beautiful piece of television and cool. the response by people who have mental illness, people who have been in psychiatric hospitals, people who have nursed in psychiatric hospitals has been overwhelmingly positive. The only mm. thing is that people who are going through a tough time, it can be a little bit triggering and confronting mm. because, I mean, I had postnatal depression and the first episode, one of the patients has postnatal depression and I was playing a nurse. So I'm like, oh, this is really not intense at all. This is just a very <laughs> relaxed job. Yeah. Wow. It sounds yeah. so good. I'm sure it definitely sounds like it'll get picked up over here. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. They, as I said, like, because of COVID happened, all the festivals and TV festivals were, that we usually sell shows at, they were all shut down. So mm. usual ways and means um, had been postponed and people, yeah. I suppose, were panicking about where they were going to spend their money um, outside yeah. of their country. That's that's nice. great. We'll look forward to seeing it. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, because I, I really loved your show, What If There's No Toilet? Oh, um, thanks. But and I was trying to think of an IBS Beatles kind of Venn diagram, but I really was stumped <laughs> by that. I don't know. Um, come on, there's got to be life. <laughs> Run for your life. There, now- there is a great v- interview with Paul McCartney where he's definitely got well, I think he's got food poisoning from about 62, oh, yeah. 64, <laughs> which is quite it He's is quite very relatable. stoically trying to do yeah. this sort of... But there's a bit where he's asking, he kind of looks like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 what about funny. Get Back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back. yeah. I'm just looking through yeah. their songs. Twist and Shout, that would oh, also... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just... <laughs> I think that's probably yeah. it. That's probably it. <laughs> well, you know, do write in if you've got any. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got, we need to we've find got the Shirley Beatles on the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's so funny. Indeed. Uh, that's great. So that was the brilliant Felicity Ward. Um, she was fantastic. Um, brilliantly funny. Um, I definitely recommend checking out her stand-up and uh, the show Wakefield, which we talked about a lot at the end there. Yeah. Brilliant episode. Um, not the most Beatles-heavy we've <laughs> no. done, but... Um, I think I'd la- laughed more in that episode than I have in any other episode. And, you know, you know that thing where you hate hearing the sound of your own voice? Of, yeah, intimately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that, obviously, but I also... It's particularly bad... I hate the sound of my own laugh kind of more. Right. And so listening back to that was like, oh, my God, I I, I hate myself more than it normal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because yeah. I, was, I was laughing so much. And she was very, very funny. Yeah, she's brilliant. If yeah. you haven't had the chance to see her do stand-up, it's highly recommended. She's yeah. absolutely brilliant. She's great. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you want to check out an extended version of that, um, if you're not on the Patreon, then you can sign up and do so uh, there's a, a great sort of extra 15 20 minutes in there mm. um and yeah it's all gold <laughs> and 
Thanks. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. And we're going to be back next week. We've got a really good chat with Nish Kumar. Yeah, it was a really good chat. It was really good to catch up with Nish and talk. He's so passionate about music, and I think get the impression yeah, he loves. Yeah, he talks to... about it brilliantly. He does. He's so articulate. There were some points where it's just like just didn't know what to say because he just basically summed everything up so brilliantly. Well, <laughs> <You're> just... <laughs> yeah. he's so funny off the cuff as well. Um, it was a really good episode. Looking forward yeah. to putting it out. I there. was quite firmly in the depth of of uh, having COVID at the time. Yeah. So I'm a, I was a little bit quiet and. Um, but actually, a lot of that listening back to it was just—he was just so brilliant. You find mm. you forget you're recording a podcast because yeah. you're just listening to him being, <laughs> mm. yeah, as you say, very sort of erudite. And uh, yeah, it's a fantastic one. So looking forward to that next week, and we'll all have um, our first bonus episode coming out as well. So um, yeah, check out the Patreon for that one. That'll arrive towards the end of this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Cool. Good stuff. We'll see you next week. See you then. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye. Your Own Personal Beatles is presented by Jack Pelling and Robin Allender. The podcast artwork is done by Morgan Ritchie. It's produced by me, Jack Pelling, and is a Homespun Sounds production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.